Church, let me hear you. Come on, one more time. Come on. I need you to get your blood pumping to listen to today's message because I promise you, all right, it applies to everybody in the room. You're going to learn something today, and you're going to probably walk out a little challenged. I'm going to be straight with you. We're wrapping up the At The Movie series today, and the theme is big. This is a movie theme that's big, but I can promise you that in the world right now, whether it's social media, the news, there's all of these things pointing to this movie theme that we're going to be talking about today. Thank you for submitting all your ideas. Sorry that they didn't all make it. Makes me want to do this series a little longer, but we're going to move on. We got a new one called Living the Dream starting next week. But this one is big. What's the theme? Here's your first hint, and it comes from a movie trailer, and then I'll tell you where we're going today. Check it out. The final mission to save mankind has failed. The 70-mile-wide asteroid known as Matilda is set to collide with Earth in exactly three weeks' time, and we'll be bringing you our countdown to the end of days, along with all your classic rock favorites. So, uh, feel free to wear your casual Friday clothing pretty much any day of the week. And if anyone wants to be CFO... <laughs> anyone? So, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Catching up on some me time, find God, maybe move around some chairs. Maybe I'll run into your orgy or something. Well, that sounds nice. Listen, Elsa, you don't have to come next week or ever if you don't want to. It's okay. Are you fighting me? There's just no need. Forget it. See you next week, Mr. Dutch. I regret my entire life. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye now. <laughs> Hello. You okay? No. I'm never going to see my family again. Would you like to come in? I won't steal anything if you don't kill me. Agreed. Who's the girl? She the one that got away? Well, they all got away, but she was the first, yeah. Let's go find her. We need to go, right now. If you drive me to where I need to go, I can get you to your family. Luckily, I'm getting my midlife crisis in just under the wire. <laughs> How fast are you going? 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. Given the couldn't you find it in your heart to give my friend here a fighting chance of being with the one he loves before we all reach our untimely conclusion? No. Yep, you already know it right here. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. And it's not just this comedy. It is also a ton of other movies. The theme is pretty simple. It is the end of the world. Now, many times when you say this phrase, people get freaked out. Some of you are already getting a little nervous about it because it's the apocalyptic theme. I can barely say it, and I, you know I can't spell it. Went to Southwood. All right, y'all know that. All right, but the end of the world is a whole lot easier than apocalyptic. But when you look in movie themes, it's everywhere. Here's just a little sample of some of the ones that are out there. I couldn't even put them all together. I searched and it's just like everything comes up. You got zombies, aliens, asteroids, natural disasters, disease, and a little comedy mixed in as well because you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? If it's the end of the world, need a little comedy. And I know what some of you are thinking already. You're like, come on, Justin, that's Hollywood, bro. End of the world. I mean, it's all make-believe. You've probably even heard this phrase. You might have said it to your kids or you might have thought it 
depending on what movie you just finished. Don't worry, honey. Don't worry to your child. It's just a movie. Well, or is it? Is it more than just a movie? Some of the most famous apocalyptic end of the world movies are this one right here, 2012. If you were around through all the generations, remember I'm a kid of the 70s, a teen of the 80s. And then, yes, I even saw us click over from 1999 to 2000. Remember Prince? He was partying like it was 1999. But at every one of those junctures, there were people saying, it's the end. This is it. And even in 2012, this was why this movie was so important and why it made so much money is because it was like, is this the end? And it was all about natural disasters and seeing this happen and that happen and this is what it's going to look like. And people are like, oh man, it's just the movies. Well, it was a fun movie. It was a little escape, but whatever. And then you turn on your news and you watch and you start going, wait a second. I'll remind you with Maui, would you ever in your wildest dreams thought that would happen in Hawaii? I didn't. They said they didn't. 80 plus mile an hour winds, a wildfire goes crazy. And boom, we have friends over there that watch in Hawaii. They're telling us how difficult it is. We've sent money over there, a lot of prayers over there. But they never in their wildest dreams thought they'd see something like this. Horrific, difficult, challenging. And as it would be, as I'm preparing and seeing all these movies come in, and this is the theme that everybody's kind of like, hey, man, what about this one? Maybe it's because they saw the hurricane hit Florida this week again. Another natural disaster. Not to mention we had a hurricane on the West Coast not too long ago, which had never been seen or had been 80 years, 100 years since someone had seen it. And ironically, the same time an earthquake happened, that same exact moment right around the same time, you're like, what in the world's going on? Maybe it's more than Hollywood. Maybe there is something to it. Dig a little bit deeper. You might remember this movie right here, Contagion. Me and my wife watched it. I mean, it was a great movie back in the day. You're just thinking, man, that's kind of crazy. That's you know, insane, what could happen, great actors in it, you're kind of following through this disease story. And then in 2020, something happens that gets all of our attention, not Hollywood, reality. And in the midst of all of this, you're like going, all right, now hold on a second, it really was happening. There are tons of different movies, tons of different opinions when it comes to this issue. But what I want you to know today, by the time you leave, you're going to get some good information to walk out of here with to help you. And we're going to go to the source. We're not going to go to anybody, you know, this preacher or that preacher or this denomination or that denomination or this person selling books or this person selling movies. We're just going to go back to what Jesus says. And this is found in Matthew 24, and I want you to pay attention. And I'll tell you why all this is important in a minute, as if you didn't know, but I'll give you some more reasons. His disciples, his boys come up to Jesus and they say, hey man, tell us when this is going to happen. That's what everybody's asking. It's like, all right, look, we've seen these movies for all these years. We've heard all these stories. If you're old like me or even older, you know people have been saying it for a long time. But this is written 2,000 years ago. And his disciples, his boys come up and said, how will we know it's going to happen? And what will be the signs to the end of the world? Maybe they were curious, maybe they were scared, or like some, maybe they were a little excited going, man, this is going to be Jesus' return, this is going to be the moment we really need to be prepared for. And Jesus comes back and says this to them, are you ready for this? Hey, you're going to hear about wars and threats of wars, 
you know that's still true. Remember, this is 2,000 years ago. But please read with me those last three words. But don't panic. Now, why in the world would I say this and draw your attention to this phrase? It's because I have been on this planet for fixing to be 54 years. My birthday's next week. Y'all go ahead and say it. Happy birthday. Ready? Yeah. But 53 years right now. And what I have seen and what I know is a couple of things happen. When you talk about the end times, some people go like, oh, and they throw their hands up. Other people begin to panic about it. Oh my gosh, I could have a day. But this is Jesus himself saying very simply, don't panic. So when you're getting ready to walk out of here, I don't want you freaking out. I don't want you worried. I want you to be able to rest today knowing that what he is saying to you applies to us even now in this world. Now, I know as soon as I say, don't panic, some of you are already starting to panic. That's just the way it is. Maybe anxiety, maybe worry. You're like, oh my gosh, this is kind of crazy. And I had to go back to the 2012 movie because there is a scene in there then you know how it happens. When I tell you don't to not to panic, that's exactly what you do. This little clip has it in there, and I have to show it because we're in the movie series. Watch. Basically, zero earthquake activity in Southern California, which is very rare. Unlike many of the tough characters I have portrayed in my film. Hello. Okay, stop what you're doing. Jackson. Listen to me. I've rented a plane. Pack up the kids. I'm going to be there in five Plane? minutes. What are you talking about? We were going to do our regular Saturday. No has music at two and Lil has karate. Nothing would expect him to remember. Hey, California is going down. Pack up the kids now. They just got back. God, you sound like a crazy person. The governor just said we're fine now. The guy's an actor. He's reading a script. When they tell you not to panic, that's when you run. Hey, you call me back when you calm down. Mommy, why is Daddy so crazy? Finish your pancakes, Al Capone. It seems to me that the worst is over. whose poor set was right like sorry my bad now what's silly about these movies is you're going that's just a movie right whatever but then you begin to feel the anxiety because you're going wait a second now this is the scripture that we read from this is what we believe and yet movies kind of make fun of that or exaggerate that and where's the truth how are we supposed to navigate all this you got to remember, the disciples are coming up and asking Jesus the very same thing. Like, hey, how are we going to know? What's it going to look like? What's going to happen? And believe it or not, Hollywood actually gets their take on the end of the world from Scripture. And you go, what do you mean? Well, 
Look at Matthew as it continues. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. So the reason this phrase is important is every time somebody talks about the end of the world, they, they're saying like, is it tomorrow? Is it next week? Is it next month? Is it next year? This was written thousands of years ago, but Jesus was right. These things that you're seeing have to happen, but we don't know exactly when, and it's not going to happen immediately. Now, this is important because they were thinking, are you going to, is the end of the world now? This is 2,000 years ago. Just like every generation, we think it's now, and we're trying to navigate that. But as it continues, Jesus is like, hey, it's not going to happen immediately, but let me tell you some things you can look for. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So think about this. Over the last 2,000 years, has this phrase been accurate? Of course it has been. And Hollywood knows it too. And that's why they've made a bunch of different war movies. Not only do you have end of the time movies, apocalyptic movies, you also have generations of movies talking about war after war after war. And it's not just Hollywood. I was told right before I walked on stage, we have people in Ukraine watching the message today, which is pretty insane. And it just brings our heart back because we know as an American, we've seen all that. We turn on the news and we're disconnected from it, but it's reality. They're in a fight for their life. So thank you for watching. We are praying for you. We are thinking about you. And we know it's not Hollywood movie stuff. It's real. And also know that as it continues on, the scripture is pretty descriptive when it says there will also be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Just think about it. Some of you are, well, thank God that doesn't happen around here. No, but when we hadn't had rain in 40 days, we start getting worried, don't we? You start going, man, this is kind of crazy. And then you turn on the news and you see other parts of the world and you realize it's not make-believe. It's not Hollywood. It's happening. And I'm going to give you a little quiz. I'm about to show you a little clip from an actual news story. And I want you to think in your mind, when did this happen? And I'm going to come back and ask you if you know the year that this occurred. Because some of you are thinking, well, man, I mean, it happens so often you don't even necessarily pay attention to it. But do we still have earthquakes? You tell me. Watch. This morning, incredible rescues keeping hope alive. Miracle after miracle, a week after the devastating quakes. Here in Antakya, the destruction is endless. The entire city in ruins. Families in shock, many of them holding out hope for a miracle of their own. Rescue workers helping pull one off, saving this woman after being trapped under rubble for 175 hours. But help is not reaching fast enough in some areas. More than 30,000 are dead in Syria and Turkey. They're digging mass graves. People have nowhere to live, some crowding into shelters. Aid isn't reaching most of them, and anger is rising. This morning, no one knows how many are missing. At one hotel, rescuers told us they think more than 100 are buried under the rubble. The U.N. chief today saying that the rescue operation will soon be ending. But I can tell you, searchers here are determined to save more lives. Anybody know what year this was? This year. And the reason I say that, 50,000 people died in that one earthquake 
And we almost don't recognize it because we're so inundated with issue after issue after issue after issue. And so it's almost like it's overwhelming. So we just kind of turn it off or we ignore it. And some of you are thinking like, man, this is kind of tripped out. It's like, but hey, when you were just showing this, I was looking at all your scriptures. You got earthquakes, you got famines, which we see these things are happening, but it didn't say hurricanes. Well, you'd be wrong. Luke 21. And the people all over the earth will be upset and confused by the noise of the sea and its crashing waves. Why would I bring it up? Because when you have a hurricane hitting this coast, a hurricane hitting that coast, an earthquake over here, wildfires burning everything up, including in our own state, as we talked about last week, how challenging and difficult all of these things are. You'd say, well, then it must be happening pretty quick because, man, all these things are going on. It's really happening now. I'm like, yeah, it really is. Now, if you get on social media, this was what will really mess you up because never before have you had information going out so quickly and so diverse and so available. So like TikTok, TikTok, all right, now you'll see this right now, asteroids and aliens. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Time Traveler predicts world's end this week. That was in March of this year. I know you missed it, but I want to show it to you, right? Because everywhere you turn, there's like these people coming, attention, it's this, attention, that. And you're like, so what do you do? You kind of turn it off. Now, just to have a little fun, if you think, well, these are all crazy. Well, I'm going to show you the redneck. All right, you ready for this? This is redneck prediction of the end of the world. It might be your relative, so I apologize. Watch. Shalom, TikTok. Could this September the 23rd be when we enter <clears throat> the few that's going to enter into the the new kingdom is this when we go into the new kingdom i find it kind of interesting TikTok. that's all i can say is just TikTok. i mean man september the 23rd proving out to be a pretty important day y'all so y'all get excited and uh, i look forward to hearing your secrets and uh, seeing what your lives has been all about shalom shalom all right and as silly as it is, what's crazy, if you go onto any social media, man, it's like everybody's saying something. Well, what about this? And what about that? I mean, even this redneck guy, I'm sorry, it's your relative, but he was out there telling everybody, could it be this week? Could it be next week? Shalom, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> but I'll remind you what Jesus said, all right? Matthew 24 goes back to it. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. So anybody comes out and says, like, it's September 20th, what, you just messed it up. Because then God looks at Jesus, like, not yet. All right, he just said it, not that date. So some of you, when I was a kid, I used to think, I'm going to say it every day so he won't come back while I'm alive. I, I still had to get married. Can I get an amen? Amen. But the point being, no one really knows. Not even Jesus himself. He's waiting for his dad to look at him and say, hey, it's time. This is it. So what's the point then, you know, Justin, what's the point, Jesus? What are we doing here? This is the big point for today. Are you ready? Hang on. This is why. You ready? Matthew 24. So you will what? See, here's the problem. There's kids in here. There's teenagers in here. Many of you didn't grow up in church. And so when someone starts talking about this, you tune them out. Or you go, they're crazy. Or that's Hollywood. Or if you grew up in church and it causes anxiety and fear and worry, I can relate to that. Man, we were scared to death growing up because it wasn't like I'm educating today. It was like, I'm telling you, it's tomorrow. And I'm like, ah. What I'm telling you is 
that the reason we have these scriptures and the reason the disciples were asking Jesus and the reason Jesus answered the way he did is so that you and I, his followers, would be ready. Because the truth is I'm going to come at a time you don't expect me to come. But all of these things that are happening are reminding you, be ready, be ready, be ready. So here's my question for all of us. Are you ready? I mean, are you ready that if he were come back today, if he were to crack open the sky, if this was the moment where he returned, are you like, man, I'm good. I'm ready for this. I know that for many people, no, they're kind of, I don't know, man. I, I grew up hearing things. I'm confused. I don't know. That's why today's message is super important. Important, excuse me. Because you're going to walk out with two things today. Number one, I want you to remember we are here to do our best to educate you on what the scriptures say. You need to know. So if you didn't grow up in church, we got a lot of Catholic friends. I got a lot of friends that never even darkened the door of a church. So if you grew up Baptist, of course, there's a lot of scripture time and everybody was trying to point on this and they tried to sell a lot of books, by the way, too. It was this idea of fear. And so they would try to sell their stuff. There's no books being sold today, all right? My main job is to tell you what Jesus said about it, what the scripture shows you about it, so that you can go, all right, I'm educated. So you can tell your kids and your grandkids, because it might be their generation. It might be our generation. But the second part is super important, because you really need to evaluate yourself. Educate yourself and evaluate yourself. You go, well, what do I need to evaluate and why do I need to be educated? Because look, let's go over now to 2 Timothy, another passage that talks about the end times. And watch what we see here. It says, remember this, there are some terrible times coming in the last days. <laughs> Still written 2,000 years ago, but they're predicting and looking and going, this is what you're going to look for. You need to be educated on this and then you also need to evaluate yourself. So I don't want you to take the extremes of sticking your head in the sand and going, this doesn't apply to me. And I also don't want you panicking and running out of here and going, oh my gosh, he said it's tomorrow. I don't know when it's going to be. But I will tell you, it's very important to take the time to go, I'm educated a little bit more on this and I need to know what to look for if I'm going to be ready. And all of those signs, earthquakes and famines, all of that is a part of it. Wars. But equally important is the evaluation of your life. How are you doing when it comes to what you're fixing to see in the Second Timothy package? And you go, what do you mean? Well, he packages together a look of the end times, the people that will be living in the end times, of what culture, society will look like and act like. And this is where it comes down to not all that you're educated and you're beginning that process Really look inside at this part. Evaluate yourself. People will love only themselves and money. Think about this. Right now, if you were to poll your friends, if you were to talk about your retirement, you were to talk about the bank system, you are talking about the mon monetary system, you would understand that this is very, very true. And then if you turn on any Discovery Channel, you look on, you know, Internet, we have what they call preppers, end-time preppers. And what's the idea of a prepper? 
It is my money. It is my food. It is my family. And if you try to take it, I kill you. Right? Because they're only thinking about themselves and their family. Forget everybody else. It's dog eat dog out there, cuz. You don't worry about everybody. You take care of your family. You take care of you. Go look and see. And 2,000 years ago, this is written down going, hey, this is what it's going to be like when you get to the end. They ain't going to care about nobody else. Now, I tried to find a movie clip. I couldn't find a movie clip, but I did find a clip from a very popular television show. Anybody watch The Office? Well, Dwight became a prepper. And don't be like Dwight. Remember that. Watch. I have the best stocked survival shelter in northeastern Pennsylvania. But everything has a shelf life, so I must eat and then replace everything that's about to expire. It's nice not to have to plan my meals. You're eating eight-year-old tomatoes. They're still good for another week. You know, I think I might have some type of cheese in the back of my fridge you might like. Hardy har har. All right, picture this. Snowy ash drizzles from the sky. A rabid pack of dogs surrounds you as the flame at the end of your stick dies out. There's only one hope left for you. The door to my shelter. You pound, you beg, Dwight, please let me in. But I ignore your cries and do not let you in. You want to know why? Because of the sign that says no pounding, no begging. No, because you laughed at me. Kevin will be eaten. Pam will be taken slave. Jim will be made a warlord's jester. Meredith will do okay. Be assured, this day will come. It's just a matter of time. Could be one month, could be two months. Three months. Could be. Four months. I see that happening, yes. Eight months? That's a realistic timeline. Hey, wait, now really think hard about this one. One year. I could see that as a very real possibility. <laughs> now, why do people laugh? Because you and I have seen, you might have friends, it might be you. And you're going, oh, it's all funny until it's not funny anymore. And the problem is, it turns into very selfish behavior. And when you're looking at scripture, it's like, hey man, check yourself. If it's getting to the end times, is it about you and yours and nobody else? Don't act like this. I'm calling you to be different. Last week, you're supposed to be an alien. Now, if you missed last week's message, you're going, that's weird. Go back and watch it. You'll see. It makes sense. Because the scripture told us, this is not your home. You're not preparing for this. You're looking to the future, knowing that God is in control and you can trust him. And because you can trust him and because you're prepared for the future, he calls us to be different. Like this, Hebrews 13, 16. And don't forget to do good. Why would we forget? Because everybody around you is selfish. Your coworkers, even maybe your own family members, maybe your spouse is going, you just can't worry about them. We got to take care of ourselves. And he's going, no, 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 don't forget to do good. And guess what? Share what you have with others. Because sacrifices, yes, it might even be a sacrifice, like this are very pleasing to God. It is not about you. Evaluate yourself. Why does a simple church keep challenging you? Why don't we keep telling you to like help other people, take the focus off yourself, do some good, drill water wells, feed people, put shoes on the feet of kids that don't have them, build playgrounds for kids with special needs in your own community. Why do we keep pushing you to do that? Because if we don't, you will forget and turn so inward and be so selfish, you won't look like Jesus. 
And in the church, man, that's the whole idea. If you're Christ-like, if you're Christians, you're his followers, the last thing you want to be is selfish, freaking out, panicking, as if you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you educate yourself, and that's why you evaluate yourself. Continues on, end times, you ready for this? They will brag, hey, I got all my stuff right, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're the one who's crazy, arrogant, and use abusive language. Is that describing any politicians? I better move on. All right, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> Think about it. That's what we need to do. That's who we need to be. Is it? They curse their own parents, show no gratitude. They're godless. Now, in case you don't know, let's give you a little information. We're educating you. And I want you to evaluate yourself. Look at this little graphic. What percentage of Americans believe in God? Not Jesus, just God. For the first time ever, it's the lowest rate in American history. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about just look at the trend. Whoop, 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 whoop. They'll become godless. So you can imagine in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, this is why it's important to teach your kids. This is why it's important to raise your grandkids and go, hey, let me tell you, man, God loves you. Not freak them out, not panic. Not make them, I had to read comic books. It was the end of time. Blood, he's coming. Yeah. I was reading a comic book, freaked out. Where when you see the other side of what God's saying, he's like, no, listen, man, I love you. I have a plan for you. I am leaving you on this planet because you have a mission, as we talked about last week. And when it gets crazier and crazier, you have a job to do. It is not to be a prepper. It's not to panic. It's not to freak out. But it is to understand what's happening because they're going to be desperate to know. You need more evidence that it'll be a godless society, historical and projected share of Americans who identify now as Christians. Do you see a trend? I mean, you know what's happening. This is not like shocking to us, but this is reality. This is really happening. This is not like I'm going to stick my head in the sand. I'm not going to believe this is happening. I've seen a couple of people having revival. There's some cool things going on, but I mean, we're going to be all right. You're right, we're going to be all right, but you need to be educated, and that's why I'm so thankful you bring your kids. That's why I'm thankful that you invest back in them and show them the right thing to do because it's very important because the way it's trending, it's going to be less and less. So why do we do different? Why do we challenge? Why do we try to give you tools and an opportunity to see the good and experience it because we believe that Christianity... And the hope of Jesus is what gives us the strength that we need, even if the world's ending. And so when you don't have that and you run away from that or you ignore that, it's not good. How you doing so far? If you're evaluating yourself, how's your family doing? How are you doing? Second Timothy continues. They'll be hard-headed. Now, every wife said, I know you're going to hell. That's it right there. All right, there it is. They'll be hard-headed. They'll never give in to others. Constant liars, troublemakers, and they will think nothing of immorality. We still talking politicians or are we talking to us? All right, look. Look at your culture. Think about what's going on around you. Think about what's happening. Continues on. They will betray their friends. They'll be hot-headed, puffed up with pride. They'll prefer good times to worshiping God. Now we're getting too close to home. Think about this. 
When you start looking at culture, you start looking at society, you start looking in the mirror. You can do this or you can worship God. Well, I don't know if I'm going to make it because I, I don't know, man. I need to, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? Just be honest. We're all guilty of it. That's why I was picking with Laverne Rushing. She was talking about, she goes, man, I went and saw Garth Brooks last night in New Orleans. I'm like, Laverne, you are a miracle on earth, all right? If I saw Garth Brooks in New Orleans, I'm not making church, all right? You should preach. Come on up, all right? You go to the game, you have this happen or whatever's going on. The scripture written 2,000 years ago is telling you who we are. This is why you have to evaluate. You're like, oh, I got to work on this. I got some work to do. I got some work to do. You have some work to do. Your kid, all of us were going, hey, man, this is why we try to have a good time in Simple Church. Can I get an amen on that? Why? Because we want you to have good times. We want you to have some fun. We also want you to know that it's not just for having good times. It is a way for us to worship God. It is a way for us to demonstrate to the world that, man, there really is a good time for those that follow Jesus. And we're not opposed to that. We understand how it works. We don't want to be so prideful. We don't want to be hot-headed. If you lose your temper all the time, things are going on. Look, these are things. Betraying your friends, no loyalty. But then if you really want the punch in the gut, they'll go to church, yes, but they really won't believe anything they hear. <laughs> now think about this. Some people go, well, man, I go to church. But like, yeah, but do we believe it? Or right now you're already skeptical. Like, I don't know about all this. <laughs> Welcome to the end times. And probably the most challenging statement is what the writer ends with as he's writing to Timothy. Have nothing to do with such people. That's why I want to evaluate myself. That's why I want you to evaluate yourself. For something so old, 2,000 years ago, how could it be so accurate? And what are we supposed to do with it? If we know that this scripture now is like, man, that's pretty close to where we are. Look at what we're doing. And I don't know if you know this or not. I was kind of picking on the politician side of it a minute ago. But just for the record, because you're going into election year, ain't that going to be fun? Politicians, either side, will never solve our problems. Now, I know that may be shocking to you, but the scripture is very clear on that. You're not going to have somebody come in and miraculously go, well, we figured it out and everything's good because whoever wins, somebody loses. And whoever loses, somebody's winning. And they have this tendency in the world that we live in to push us to division in the way we speak, in the way we treat people. And as a Christian, you have this call to be different. You have a call to go, listen, man, I am leaning on him. I am putting my trust in who? Jesus. And yes, I'm going to vote my conscience. I'm going to do the very best. I'm not saying don't vote. Of course you should vote. It's our privilege. It's our right as an Americans. It's the hope that we have as far as our operating systems. But make sure you understand this. We've been voting for a long time and we've seen some highs and we've seen some lows. And as it gets to the end times, the scripture is very clear. It's not going to get better. So your hope has to be in something above politics. Your hope has to be something above a government. Although I love our country and I'm committed to that, I'm telling you, have to understand that Jesus is the ultimate authority. And when you educate yourself and you look at anything, that he says and how it works on and you evaluate yourself I'm telling you this preacher's got some work to do because I can be arrogant 
I can say things I shouldn't say. I can treat people the wrong way. I can be selfish. I can think about myself and, and not be thinking about others. But my goal is, Jesus, help me to be different. And help me that when everybody's getting divided, and I fail at this, help me to be a unifier. Help me to point people to you. And in the midst of the end of times, it gets crazier and crazier, and the world's going nuts. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? Jesus gives us one more, if it wasn't enough, clarity on what our job is. You ready? Matthew 24. He's looking for someone that when the master can drop in unannounced on that person, he finds them always doing their job. So if he were to come back today, it's not fighting, it's not arguing, it's not being selfish and storing all this stuff away for themselves. You got to remember, even Jesus in the parable of the talents, he was like, hey man, when I bless you with something, the goal is to multiply that, to try to do, not to hoard for yourself. This is Jesus, not me. Get mad at him. Don't get mad at me. And when I come back, I want to find somebody doing their job. And I tell you, it won't be long before the master will put this person in charge of the whole operation. He says, when you're doing the right thing, man, I'm going to bless you. Man, when you're focused on others, when you're doing your job, when you're lifting people up, man, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to put all of my kingdom into your hands so that you can lead at a better level. But then he continues with a warning. But if that person only looks out for himself, what's the theme? The closer we get to the end times, everybody's worried about their money, their retirement, their future, that we got to do this and we get selfish, we get arrogant, we get prideful. He's like, nah, man, don't look out for yourself. Because the person that only looks out for themselves, the minute the master's away and does what he pleases, not what God's asked him to, the master's going to show up when he least expects it. And I love this translation. It ain't going to be pretty. This is that whole concept of going, hey, man, I'm testing you. You're on this planet. You're in this world for a reason. I am blessing you with resources. I'm blessing you with talent. I'm blessing you with money. I'm blessing you with time. And I'm curious, how are you going to act with this? And when the world starts going crazy and the jobs are doing this and people are doing this and you want to hold bitterness and you want to be judgmental and you don't want to be forgiving and you don't want to share and you don't want to be kind, I'm watching. I got it. And so why does the simple church, why am I trying my best to educate you and challenge you to evaluate yourself? Because I'm trying to do the same thing. Because the future depends on it. And you and I are left on this planet because you have a job to do. If your job was over, you'd breathe your last breath. You'd be done. But he trusts you. He believes in you. He believes you're the generation that can lead to a place that nobody else has been able to accomplish. He's calling you. Are you ready for this? You're the light of the world. And the reason that you're here is because I want you to shine so that you can let people know through the way that you treat them, through the way that you're not braggadocious, through the way that you are a humble servant, through the way that you don't live for yourself. Because when you do that, people go, there's something different about them. And then he goes on, live so that they, the world, will see the good things you do and they will praise your Father in heaven. 
You think it matters that we're drilling water wells? You think it matters that we go to war? You think it matters that you're trying to help the hub in downtown Shreveport with homelessness? Do you think it, oh, it's just a waste of time. Y'all, I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff. I don't even know, I don't know what you're trying to. Okay, you tell him that. And here's the news flash for your kids, for our grandkids, for all of us. The darker it gets, the more impact we should make. That's why he used the light illustration. Light doesn't affect light. He didn't call you to go into huddle up as all Christians. He didn't call you to sit in there and go, let's just worship. We need to just study more. We need to just sing more. No, he's telling you, go to the darkness. And in the end times, it's going to get dark. He told us that. There's going to be some very troubling times as it goes on. You're living in some of those. You're a part of that. That's why we send money to Maui. That's why we send people to Honduras. People say, why do you go to these most dangerous places in the world? Honduras and Haiti and Juarez, Mexico? Because we're called to go to the darkness. And then for any first responder in here, police, fire, military, why do you do what you do? Because you are light in the darkness. Everybody else runs from the darkness. Everybody else wants no part of that. But as a Christian, particularly you, as a first responder, it is a gift. Challenging? Difficult? Yes. As I said last week, when you have someone tragically killed in an accident, no one wants to be a part of that. But your call is to go and serve and help. And bring calm to the situation and to meet the needs. And guess what, Christians? You ain't no different. He didn't leave you here so you can just walk through life and be selfish and get what you want. Man, we just, just take for yourselves. He called you to be different. Matthew 20, you don't believe me? Be different. To lead, you must serve others. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but this is the J-E-H translation. That's the Justin Eugene Hagler translation, just so y'all know, all right? And why would I put it up there is because you still don't believe it. So I'm even trying to simplify it. Man, I went to Southwood, took me 10 years to get out of college. I can understand that. I just don't understand the word. Sometimes I just can't grab a hold of what it's saying. Every translation I put up there is pretty easy to understand. That's one thing about simple church, simple for a reason. That's why I put the scripture up here. That's why the notes are you can download them. You can go look at every one of them and cross-reference them and read them. And you will see that this approach is very true to what Jesus calls us to do. Let me give you one more. 1 Peter 4, 8. Most importantly. Isn't it interesting? He said the most important thing. Study the Bible. Sing good songs. Gather up and have some kind of little fellowship where we eat together. No. I want you to love each other. He says, you're going to be known by your love. Not by what you preach, not by how you point the finger, not by how you're selfish or whatever it is. You should be known by your love. Now, why is this important? Does it make a difference? I'm going to tell you why. You're about to get out of here. You're going to walk out into the real world, and then you're going, what am I doing with this message today? I pray that, number one, you walk out of here a little bit better educated when it comes to the end times. You won't be freaked out by it. You won't panic. Jesus told us not to. But you would go, man, okay, there's a lot of stuff happening. And when you watch the news and you see these things happening, be ready. And how am I supposed to be ready? By being a servant, by loving, by 
being different. By the things that come out of your mouth, by the way you treat a stranger, by the way you treat those in your family, outside of your family. Not by digging a hole and getting your canned foods together. Not by praying that, I tell you what, if we can just get this person in the office, everything's going to get better. Listen, I know what you're saying and I, I get it. But he ain't joking. This is 2,000 years ago and it is almost to a T who we are. And in that challenge, he kept challenging them and he keeps challenging us to go, man, please be different. Please be different. Be the light of the world. Man, be a servant. Lead. Set the example. Sacrifice at a rate that people can't even understand that you're sacrificing that. Love at a rate. And I'm talking about love all people, even these sinners. Why did he go and talk to the woman at the well? Why did he go and talk to the adulterous woman? Why did he go hang out with the sinners and all the parties? Why did he do all these things? Because he knew the church would get so selfish and so self-absorbed that you would be judgmental, that you'd start pointing the finger and you would ostracize and you would say all these things. And he's like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Because when I come, I want to find my servants. Loving which doesn't make any sense. I want to see you sacrificing a servant that just blows people's mind. And I want you, whatever job you have, to be so different that people go, man, there's something different about them. And when you think it's not possible, uh, love the fact that a guy by the name of Steve Hartman, who doesn't even know he's being used in every sermon that I preach, can go out in the real world and give you an example of someone that shows you it is possible. And why would we do this? Why do you cry when you see a Steve Hartman video? Why do you go, man, because they're so different that it changes the lives of people. And you don't believe me that love's important? You don't believe me that serving and sacrifice and leading is important? Here's a bus driver to pull it, to prove it. Excuse me. Watch. <laughs> this may look like a normal family reunion, but as you'll soon see, Reed Moon of Zelianople, Pennsylvania is no ordinary patriarch. Good to see you. And this is no ordinary family. This is Anagail. Far from it. Bethany. Here's DJ. The handsome lad. That's Lewis. How many kids do you have? I'll say 200. Maybe even more. No, they're not biologically my kids. But emotionally, they surely are. That's how attached he is to the students who rode his school bus, a job he held for 27 years, even though it wasn't exactly his first choice. Reed sort of fell into the job. Well, not sort of, he, he did fall into the job. In 1990, he fell off a roof working as a handyman. After that, he wanted a job closer to the ground. But ironically, he says no job has ever lifted him higher. It's his children. And being in a position where you can love kids every single day is a lovely position to be in. Like he just made everybody feel safe and loved and cared for. Do anything he possibly could to help somebody. I don't really have a teacher that I remember. I remember my bus driver. So many kids feel the exact same way, that more than 20 of them had Reed, who was also a pastor, officiate their weddings. A bond so strong that even though Reed retired years ago, Former students gathered recently for one last ride. And they're finding their assigned seat. Right here in the front. <laughs> that they had 20 years ago. 
and now their child is sitting on their lap, and that kind of feeling is a wonderful thing. And as for his secret to fostering all this... So he only had two rules on the bus. Show everyone love and respect. Love and respect to everybody. It's a lesson they carry with them. Love and respect. And on them. Got a love and respect tattoo? I'm convinced that when you love and respect people, most of the time, that's what you're going to get back. Get back. Have a good day, Mr. Man. By the busload. Thanks, Rosie. Have a great day at school, honey. Come on, y'all. How cool is that? I don't care what your job is. As you're walking out here, I don't care what you do. I don't care. I hope that you will remember. You've been educated. Evaluate yourself. And if you're like me, this is the prayer I have to pray. Jesus, I come to you and I mess this up all the time and I need you to come into my life. I need you to change me today that when I walk out of these doors that I can be like you. For some of us, Lord, we prayed a prayer years ago or maybe even last week or last month we said, come into our life, Jesus. If we're going to be prepared, if we're going to be ready, we have to have a relationship with you. We have to believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross, you shed your blood for me to cover my mistakes and I receive the gift of Jesus. Lord, I believe that you rose again and because you rose again, you give me power to walk out of here and not be overwhelmed with fear, not to panic, but you give me the power to love the way that you loved, sacrificially. You give me the power to change the world. You told us to. You sent us into this world. You've left us in this world for that reason. Give us the power, the strength the clarity to understand that we're living for eternity. This place is not our home. You do promise to come back and we want to be ready. And when you come back, we want to be doing what you called us to do. Help us, Jesus, when we walk out of here to do that. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray.